turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. What do we do when our compassion runs out? And then, 10 tips for discerning parents. You're listening to The Common Good. Friends, welcome to the Common Good here on AIM 1160. Hope for your life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today, Aubrey. Made it through the week. Another Made it summer the week. week. It's Friday. It's so exciting. Kevin and I are actually going on vacation. We're headed to my parents' place in Oklahoma, so we'll be gone next week. Just you and Kevin, or is this... uh, no? We're of course we're going to take our take our little munchkies with us. The whole Sampson clan. What do you think of this? I had a good friend who said this to me years ago. He said. Uh, when you bring your kids, it's a trip. When you leave your kids, it's a vacation. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I feel like our kids are really, we've talked about this. Our mm-hmm. kids are at good ages now. They are. So family vacations are really fun. But I will say it's also nice when they go do other things and you get to have and a vacation. Not with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both, both can be true. So I love having my kids with me, especially at this age, right? Yeah. It's fun to experience things. Uh, but I will say that when my wife and I, Right before COVID, when my wife and I went on our 20th anniversary trip to Mexico, sans children, that was wonderful. I mean, just you saying that, like, immediately the things that went through my mind were get on Airbnb and look yep. for a Mexico trip without kids. Like, you said that, and that triggered, like, I need a vacation without you my children. You know my favorite GIF? It was a GIF? GIF? I go with GIF. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's up for debate, I think. You know my favorite GIF. one. Uh, Why not both? <laughs> That is your favorite one. Why not both? That's so, right. A, a trip with your kids, followed a vacation with your spouse. Love it. I'm in. So, I'm in. Uh, we are glad that you're with us today. If you've missed any of our show this week, we encourage you to go get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. That really does help us out a bunch. All right, Aubrey, a lot going on in the world over the past couple weeks. Yeah. Um, everything from Uvalde to the tragic shooting at the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, much more locally here, mm-hmm. to the war in the Ukraine, to mm-hmm. the abortion debate. And mm-hmm. I could just keep listing. We could just go to the heavy things. Yes. And, um, one of the benefits of doing a show like this is you and I get to process these things and talk about them. But one of the downfalls of the show is we have to process these things <laughs> every single day them. and talk about them. Right? Uh, and so sometimes it can feel like a lot and you could become numb. And so that's why this caught my eye. Not even the article, just the question that they asked at Christianity Today earlier in the week. Let me just read the title, okay. the question in the title. It says this. What should we do if our compassion runs out? Hmm. It's basically asking this question so you could think globally, right, like for school shootings or whatever else. But also, you know, you've got friends who are hurting. You've got people in your life, in your church who are going through things. What happens when you feel like you've just gotten numb? You've got some compassion fatigue. What do you do? Is Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And what do you do in those times? So I, bunch have, of questions I have a nurse friend who talks a lot about this, the reality of compassion fatigue, especially coming out of COVID and all of the, you know, the frontline workers were just non-stop mm-hmm. working. And so, of course, compassion fatigue set in. And 
I, I think sometimes this is what, you know, you and I go back to joking about how much we love vacation. But I do think when you're in a role that's a compassion-based role, you need Sabbath, you mm-hmm. need vacation, you need breaks in order to, I mean, honestly, that old kind of cliche that's about, you know, uh, giving yourself the air the air conditioning, the oxygen <laughs> before you it's give summer. it to somebody else. Like, you need to give yourself some perspective, some yeah. space, some life in order to continue to pour out. And I think it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, we don't have... I don't know that we have the capacity without God's spirit. I'm not saying people can't be compassionate, but continue to be compassionate. That comes from God's endless yeah. supply. I, I think. What What about you, Brian? I, I think that's right. I also think it's a big red flag. Mm. when I fa- that's, Yeah, that's is this, interesting. Is this offering too much information here? Sometimes as a pastor, uh, I run up against things that I feel like should be of a concern of mine, I should have much more compassion about, that I just feel numb to, or quite frankly, even or can be annoying sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, And you're just like, oh, I know that's not the feeling that I should be having. I know I should be care. I should care a lot more. I should be empathetic and yes. sympathetic yes. here. And that's why I called it a red flag. And it's one that I have felt at times. Because almost like your heart is growing cold or numb yes. and you're like, oh, what's wrong with me that I don't feel like shepherding or pastoring or caring? Like something's up with me right now that I'm like, I'm so cold. So what do you think that is? You said something's up with me. I think I have. Let me give you one of my ideas. Okay. I think it's when I don't feel cared for, not by my church, but like life in general, when mm. I feel kind of beat like up. Like it's hard for you. Like, well, deal with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, this is life. We all have to deal with that. Yeah. Or when things are busyness, I think busyness gets you. Yeah, I think so too. Because you're just going, hey, I don't have I don't have space for anybody mm-hmm. else but my wife and my children mm-hmm. right now. And I, I don't have space to be compassionate. Uh but hard heartedness also I think comes from a place in my life when I'm more self centered. And there's not yeah, much. This is a weird way to put it, right? There's not much going on in my relationship with Christ. Like right. it's just not at the stage where it births compassion in me. So those are some thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's going back to what I was saying. I think that's why it does require a filling of the Holy Spirit to help you continually be compassionate because it is. I mean, I, as I'm, this is obviously we're just sort of figuring this out as we talk about it. This is more anecdotal, but I do feel like it is those dry seasons spiritually when I'm not pursuing God, Mm -hmm. that I'm less likely to be compassionate or empathetic, even towards the people I really want to be, like even towards my husband, right? Or even towards my kids or my best friends. Like I'll I'll catch myself like, oh, stop complaining about that. And then it's like, ooh, why is my heart so like selfish and (laughs) gross? And why do I, you know? And so I guess that's a good, I guess a good way to think about it is if you catch that sort of hard heartedness in yourself, maybe just go, oh, that's some information. Yeah. That's not like Jesus. Lord, I am feeling pretty hard-hearted, cold, numb right now. What's your invitation for me? Is it that I need to step back and do some self-care? Is it I need to pour into my relationship with you? Is it I need rest? I need sleep? I need food? Like, what is going on? And and just use it as, like like you said, a kind of a flag, but more like that's good information, especially yeah. for someone who's in a role like a pastor or a nurse or a Someone who's doing compassion work, like you do need to pay attention, I think, to your own own soul. Yeah. What 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 drives compassion fatigue, do you think? Where does that come from? Because it seems like it's a good question. We should always be compassionate, right? When you mm-hmm. see hurting people around you, it should always birth mm-hmm. compassion in you. And it probably normally does, but what do you think where do you think that even comes from? That is I, 
Wow, that's a tough question. I, I think sometimes I go back to what you're saying when you feel like you are, it's just rough for you right now. Mm-hmm. I think then it's hard to be like, well, you, you're, your sort of go-to muscle is like, well, yeah, life is just hard. Deal with it. You know, sometimes I think when you are caring for many people and you hear so many stories it almost does become a defense mechanism to just be like, I can't carry anything else. I can't empathize with anything else. Therefore I am going to protect myself by putting a wall up. Otherwise I can't like keep going in the world. And so in, in one sense, there's some self-preservation right or wrong that's involved in that. And sometimes I think it's probably healthy to have some boundary or distance. Like people's pain doesn't necessarily have to be your pain. And yet we're invited by Jesus to enter in and carry other people's pain as he has done for yeah. us. So somehow it, this has to be, I mean, I'm, I'm recircling the same thing, but we need the Lord's presence, kindness, compassion yeah. towards us to move out of us to other people. We won't be able to do it on our own. Yeah. I, sinfulness, selfishness, <laughs> bottom line. <laughs> I mean, really? That too. I, I think those are all good. I would, t- I would encourage people out there. If you feel compassion fatigue, I do believe that's it at best a yellow flag. If not a red flag. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it is something to be looked at. I just thought this. You and I, are just, we're, we're working this out as we go. You want to we are. This, you want to one of the spots I have the greatest amount of compassion fatigue right now? I think it's towards COVID. You're over it. Is that what you mean? And when I hear other people like still working it out, like. You're like, this is, you're fine. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone the other day <laughs> where somebody in my life came in, their whole family came in with masks. And I, I remember there were a weird feeling came up in me. And then I found out later there was a significant medical issue. Oh, gosh. And, and I then did you feel so really guilty. bad? I never said anything to them. Yeah. They don't know. But internally you were going through this. And I said to my friend, I said, this was really like convicting to me. Like, and I think that's another sense of compassion. For yeah. Me. Like, ah, yeah. get over it. Whatever. So <laughs> at least you're convicted by it, though. I feel like that's a good sign. Yeah. Ask me later if I do anything about it. But. Uh, compassion fatigue. I do think that's a thing, especially with all the bad news around us, that if you're feeling, I think it needs to drive us to prayer, ask the Holy Spirit yeah. to, uh, to, to, to illuminate what is going on in your own soul. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know, Aubrey and I are both pastors, uh, on top of being radio hosts, but also, you know, that we both have children. Uh, I've got three kids, 18, 14, and 13. You have three sons, ages. They are, man, they're all about to have birthdays. It's so crazy. I am about to have a 16-year-old. I'm about to have a 13-year-old. And then, well, my 10-year-old is pretty solid 10 for the next several months. But yeah, 16, 13, 10. How close are the 16 and 13-year-old in birthdays? Not in years. (laughs) Not like three years. I mean, in birthdays. Uh, Their birthdays are a week apart. Four days apart, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. My wife's family, so she's number three of four. Okay. And it goes three girls and then a, a boy. Yeah. Uh, their birthdays are all within like like three weeks of each other. And Carrie and her younger brother, who's like five years younger than her, have the same birthday. They have the same birthday? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's wild. Are you serious? But all four of them are like from like the end of April till the middle of May. All of them right there. I'm doing the math backwards to find out. Was there a special holiday? (laughs) We're not going to go there. there? All right. We'll move on. We'll move on quickly from that. But as parents of kids, uh, one of the hardest things that I have found over the years, and before we get into uh, your friend, Brett McCracken wrote about this over the Gospel Coalition, how to decide what our kids should be able to watch. Mm, Such a good question. Or to even do. So I'm wondering, even as you and Kevin have 
uh, wrestled with this. Mm-hmm. What are some things that go into that decision? Your kids are like, I want to watch this movie or I want to yeah. stream the show. Yeah. I know you deal with video games much more yeah. than I deal with video games right. in my family. Right. Just how do you guys have that conversation? What are some of the things that you think about? You know what's been so funny? And I think every parent says this, so this isn't unique to us, but the things we were way more cautious with our firstborn were like, meh, our thirdborn can watch. Like you get a little bit... I don't know if it's just lazier or it's just sort of practical. Can, can I tell you, we were joking about that around our dinner table were the you? other day. The things we were we were having like this nostalgia time mm-hmm. with like the things that my eighteen year old Madeline, yeah. like that we used to watch with her. Yeah, and we we're like, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And we came to realize that our youngest daughter Emily didn't watch barely any of these things because she was Madeline was still kind of dictating. Uh- what gotcha. was being watched. Right, right. And that is, it's so Isn't it strange different. how different yeah. it is from yeah. first board to third board? I would say, and, and Brett's actually going to talk about this. One thing that we've done is we probably, because especially like with Marvel movies, a lot of them are rated PG-13. We let our kids watch things not necessarily based on is it rated PG or PG-13. Like, we, like ratings we haven't paid much attention to, although I don't think our kids, especially our youngest, have seen any rated R movies. Mm-hmm. But more generally, it's been like, are we okay with sort of the themes that are being presented? We definitely want to, as much as possible, avoid like over-sexualization, nudity, objectifying women. But like they have seen things like Marvel's pretty violent. There are swear words. But for us, that sort of adventure and fun has dictated more of uh, what we've allowed them to do. So there's something about like what the content That's is good. more than what it's rated. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Ratings have become very interesting in our family because I now have an 18 year old. Right. Who not only thinks she should watch anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you remember the things you watched when you were 18, right? Like horror movies. or that's uh-huh. like, uh-huh. But also by the rating system, it was should be able right. to watch anything, It'd be okay. Because right? it's an R18. I think R is think 17 is. actually. Okay. But yeah. My, and now I have a 14-year-old and now a 13-year-old. Yeah. So now they are in the PG-13 rating category, but you have the oldest ones going, oh, what? She's 13 right, now. Right, right, right. And, and I, will t- I agree with you 100%. PG-13 is dicey. It's dicey. Sometimes it's fine. Yeah. Other times it's crazy. And when you start going to like mid-80s movies. No, no, no. When it's there bad. wasn't PG-13. Right. How many times have you turned on an old movie, old movie from when we were kids, mm-hmm. and it's PG, and you're like, cool, let's watch this PG and movie. And then you're like mortified that you let your children watch it. Even like we were trying to watch oh, Ghostbusters, yes. and we were like, oh, no, fast forward, fast forward. We, we just, back you to forget. The we did Back to the Future yeah. over uh, probably a year ago, and you're like, that was in Back to mm-hmm. the Future. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good one. In fact, number one on Brett's list is vet the values, not just the ratings. Mm. He does talk about some sites like Common Sense Media. Yeah, that's a helpful guide. website. Common Sense Media is good mm-hmm. because it will tell you what parents are kind of saying, mm-hmm. what, what other uh, kids are saying. Mm-hmm. And like parents say it's good for this age. Yeah. Kids we actually, Common age. Sense Media, I mean, we don't need to have a whole conversation about this, but we recently decided not to let Eli see a movie that he wanted to see based on Common Sense Media. Yep. So it is a helpful, it's a helpful resource for parents. Yep, yep. Brett says it's important to go beyond curse counting. And yeah, also that's think good. about some of the subtler message. Then he says, listen to parents, leaders, and critics that you trust. Hmm. Busy parents rarely have time to watch the things we want to watch, let alone do a preview of something our True. kids want to watch. So go to a friend, go to a Facebook group, give somebody a That's call good. Yeah. And, uh, and ask them that. Number three, this goes a little bit towards the rating one, but okay. it's different. 
distinguish between, quote, not safe but good and safe but not good. Interesting. So famously, he says, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe says, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, about Aslan safe being, Safe doesn't yeah. always equal good. He right. says, many safe shows and movies aren't good. Their underlying values are shaky, and they're just not good in the quality sense. Cheaply produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, some truly excellent, beautiful content with solid themes that celebrate goodness and virtue might contain some, some unsafe elements that give parents yeah. pause. And you have to kind of wrestle with that. I remember feeling that way. It's good. I remember falling in the trap of thinking everything on the on the Disney Channel is going to be fine. <laughs> right. When kids start to get older where you go from the Phineas and Ferb and the – Which I love know, Phineas and oh Ferb, my, by the I way. I watch that by myself. I know. It's so good. Backyardigans. Remember? <laughs> oh, Backyardigans. So, but you moved from that to like the, the preteen shows. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, oh, God, they're going to be fine. All of a sudden you're like – well, the, the messaging that's happening right here, is this okay? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Next one, he says, uh, educational, he put in quotes, content is not automatically good Interesting. for your kid. Uh, sometimes he says, assumed anything educational, whether at Netflix or yeah. PBS, is automatically good for kids. Certainly much of it is, insofar as educational entertainment sparks curiosity and learning. But even educational concept can be addictive and unto itself for some kids. That's and so true. Gets there. Number five. Steer your kid towards content that sparks curiosity, imagination. Mm. What do you think about that one? I I love that one. And I feel like that's a little bit of a like, um, what am I trying to say? I feel like this is a soapbox for me because I don't think in Western Christianity, we we let ourselves like appreciate and use our imagination. We don't even want to... Uh, admit our imagination is a good gift from God. We almost want to like shut down the imagination because yeah. the mind goes to bad places. And instead, like I think there is something so beautiful about the imagination being sparked, our kids learning to be creative, especially in a day and age when they just can consume constantly all the time and they become so passive to actually have a piece of art, a movie, a show that like sparks their creativity so that they're moved to create something and put it out into the world. I think that's a high value. We that's should great. Call. Let me read the last five. And okay. I don't even want you to choose one of these. I'm going to ask you at the end, synthesize all okay. of it. Somebody comes to you and says, Aubrey, how do I do this? Okay. I've got new kids, young kids. How do I do this? Okay. Number six, steer your kid towards content that cultivates love for God and for people. Number seven, don't let the algorithm pick <sighs> for your kid. Okay. I can do a whole show on that one. Number eight, assess your your child's age and maturity. Number nine, find content you can enjoy together. Mm-hmm. And number 10, limit screen time. So how do you synthesize this whole conversation to answer Brett's original question, should I let my kids watch this? I mean, part of it comes down to like you need to be a parent. Yep. I think ultimately that's it. Like you can't you can't just let them do whatever, but you need to discern as a family what's right for your kid, what's right for each of your kid based on their development and maturity. And then as a family, what can you enjoy? So I think maybe the point is don't stop parenting even in this aspect of your kid's life. That's right. Be the parent. Yeah. How many times have we said that too? Hey, you're the parent. Just be, it's okay. It's okay to be the parent. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160 Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, I'm Brian Fromm. Aubrey, easily one of my favorite times of the week. We get to Friday, we do <laughs> things like a top five list and others, yes. but we also dive into the depths of the craziness of the internet. The wild west of the internet. And the one who leads that dive is our executive producer, Keith Conrad, who finds the craziest, most outrageous, outrageous, outlandish, or 
heartwarming stories. Sometimes they are heartwarming. That's true. Yes. Uh, that he can find. We read them sight unseen. Mm-hmm. So our reactions are the first time that we have read them as well. Uh, I love doing these because sometimes I read these. I go, save that one for the next sermon. I'm going to use that <laughs> I know. One. We, there's, you find a lot of anecdotes in them. That's I, true. I remember when Ian and I first started doing this, we had multiple pastors tell us, their favorite thing on our show was these because they used them in sermon. Come on. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's good. I don't think I've used one in a sermon yet, but note to self, note I'm going to start self. doing that. All right. Go. Okay. Here we go. Let's see if this is sermon worthy. In New York, a lifeguard gets attacked by a shark <laughs> while teaching shark safety. <laughs> There's some irony there. Long Island beaches have reopened for the 4th of July one day after a lifeguard was attacked by a shark while teaching a class on shark safety. The incident occurred at Smith Point, where an unidentified lifeguard was pretending to be a shark attack victim during a training exercise, according to Suffolk County. As the lifeguard flailed about in the water. Okay, I'm sorry. This is such a real life nightmare. As <laughs> a, Okay, he's flailing around in the water. A real shark came up and bit his chest and hand. <laughs> Why his, am I laughing? His current con- <laughs> Seriously, Brian, you're heartless. His current condition has not been revealed. After Long Island's beaches were closed on Sunday while authorities used drones to scan the area for sharks, they were reopened 10 a.m. Monday. Would you go to the beach the day after someone was attacked by a shark? Of course I would. You would? Sure. Would you get in the water? Yes. I would I would lay on the beach. I would not get in the water. No. A shark attack is like an actual fear of mine. But you also know... You are the stats. two times more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to get attacked by, by a shark. Tell that to lifeguard in Long Island, Brian. Tell that to the lifeguard in Long Island. Long Island. <laughs> it's Long Island. It's Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> All right. From Massachusetts, firefighters dive into Massachusetts River to recover lost diamond ring. Firefighters Aww. in Massachusetts went diving into a river to recover a diamond ring dropped into the water by a visiting couple. The Cambridge Fire Department said in a Facebook post that a woman was visiting uh, the yacht club in Cambridge with her husband when her ring ended up in the Charles River. The department's dive team and marine unit determined the water in the area did not seem hazardous. Why would it be hazardous? Why would it be hazardous? <laughs> so divers plunged into the river and followed the husband's directions to where he believed the ring had fallen into the water. The divers located the ring within minutes. The ring was returned to a very relieved and excited owner. Wow. Can I, can I, can I be that guy I'm here? wondering if you're thinking the same things I'm thinking. Go ahead. They found it because it was enormous because they're in a yacht club. <laughs> I literally was thinking the same thing. Like, oh, poor yacht club owner lost her diamond. from under the water. It was just shiny. <laughs> it probably took a boat yeah. out on its way yeah. down. Yeah, I, I was feeling a little bit cynical about that story as well. Okay. okay. These stories. Okay, this is from Idaho. <laughs> Bear burglar breaks into Idaho man's car. This picture is frightening. And there's a picture of a bear on someone's car. An Idaho man captured video of a clever bear that repeatedly opened the door of his parked car outside of his house. Christopher Josephson said the bear burglary was the first incident of its type 30 years in their area. I saw a bear opening my car door, then closing my car door, then opening my car door, then closing my car door. Then getting in and ripping up the door panel and then jumping in and having its way with whatever snacks were in the car. Josephson said the bear had two cubs nearby, but did not display any aggressive behavior. Well, except for like attacking your car, but definitely not aggressive. They're more just lounging. They're hungry bears. They want a free snack. 
Um, they said that uh, the, the shop, there's a shop owner nearby, an auto body shop owner, said that he's seen two vehicles damaged by bear break ins this year. We want to look out for our neighbors, and I would suggest people lock their doors, even if they live in nature, and even if they're not worried about their neighbors, you never know what other kind of critters are going to crawl in there. So, wow. From your logic, wow. from your logic before about mm-hmm. the shark attack, yes. You would not go to Idaho <laughs> after this happened. Not the day after it happened. Right. Not the day after. Fleeing not Idaho. the day after. I don't know that I would go to Idaho in general. Probably not true on any of Sorry, that. Idahoans. Ooh, we're going to Italy on this one. Ooh, hey. Italian man amasses collection of 12,402 different Pepsi cans. Stop. The Italian owner of the world's largest collection of Pepsi cans broke his own Guinness World Record when his current total was verified to be one thousand uh, 12,402. His name is Christian Cavaletti. Of course he is. Yeah, he's from Italy. Yeah. He has now broken his own record. He said he and his brother, Eduardo, began collecting Pepsi cans in 1989 after becoming enamored with the Back to the Future trilogy. The brothers collected items related to the films, including a futuristic can of Pepsi Perfect from Back to the Future Part 2. Come on. The brothers then branched out into collecting Pepsi cans, which now reside in Cavaletti's basement. The collector said he owns cans from 81 different countries, and the oldest dates from 1948, the first year the beverage was sold in a can. He said he is now planning to turn his collection into a mini museum. More than 15,000 different cans will be displayed, but day by day, the number will increase, making each visit a unique experience. Can I ask you another question? Please. Uh, Cans full or cans empty? I was wondering that, too. I'm guessing full. Because I feel like once you open them, do they lose their value kind of like a Star Wars character toy? So you're saying like 20-year-old Pepsi gives its value? (laughs) (laughs) It's like wine. It ages like a fine wine, Pepsi. Pepsi I don't know. This is so interesting, though. If I was married to this guy, I would just be glad that it was out of my house. I think they're empty. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll find out. I have zero evidence to back that I'll up. bet you a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got one more story. This is out of Georgia. No, 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 no. A man jumps into an alligator infested pond to escape arrest. Okay. Well, when running from the police, there probably isn't very much time to check for dangerous wildlife, but it would probably be a helpful thing to do. Police in Chatham County, Georgia, were hot on the tails of catching 29-year-old Billy Sloan how cool is the name Billy Sloan? That is like an George, 80s villain. Yeah, Billy Sloan. Who's running away? <laughs> Billy Sloan. Oh, Billy Sloan, down the street. <laughs> After he went on a crime spree. So to get away, Sloan jumped into a pond. He didn't realize until after jumping in the pond that it had alligators in it. Instead of getting out of the water, Sloan then began an hour-long standoff with police from the middle of the pond before he was ultimately arrested. Police say earlier that morning they found Sloan at a gas station in a stolen car. As an officer approached him, he sped off. A few moments later, another officer saw the car and began following Sloan. They say Sloan ditched the stolen car and began running toward homes in the Al Henderson Golf Course community. He entered five homes, apparently, while residents were inside. Later, the officer spotted Sloan as he was running towards and then into the pond at the golf course. Officers quickly realized there were two alligators in the pond with him, one of which swam straight for him and began circling him. Officers were able to scare away the alligators by having their helicopter hover over the pond. After the alligators swam away, officers tossed Sloan a life jacket, but he refused to grab it. I wonder what this dude's plan was. 
After spending an hour in the water, officers mm. and the department's amphibious vehicle got into the water to bring Sloan to shore. He was taken to the hospital to be examined before being cleared, taken to the Chatham County Detention Center. He's being charged with one count of theft by receiving stolen property, one count of burglary, four counts of criminal trespass, one count of drug possession, and one count of obstruction by fleeing. No one was injured during the incident. Wow. I mean, if you got to get away, you know, he had that moment. Wow. That's brave. That's brave. As much as I told you earlier that I do not fear the sharks in the ocean. Do you fear alligators? Oh, Are you going in this pond? If there were an alligator, if you told me there was an alligator in the pond somewhere near where I was, I would be, I could be 50 yards from it on land. I'm getting further away. Because I just, I, I've seen enough movies with that. You've seen enough movies with alligators? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Wow. So even, so so the statistics you said to me, do you know how likely it is to get killed by an alligator, Brian? You don't. See, this is where your argument breaks down. <laughs> That's true. You I know don't know any alligator is? statistics. 25% of people in Florida get bit by an alligator at some point in their life. How did that feel? <laughs> Well, I hope you get this light alligator. That is dark. Thank you very much. (laughs) And as always, we love to engage with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Brian, have you in your life ever tried to, in your whole life, I want you to think back, tried to make like a significant lasting change? Like tried to, you know, they say, what what did they used to say? 21 days makes a habit. I don't think they're saying. they used to say that? Yeah, I don't think they're saying that anymore. I think the like research has shown it's more than that. But generally, was there like something you wanted to change and you went for it? Yeah. The first thing that jumps to mind is there was a time or two where, where we did like, what, what diet had come out? Whole thirty. Oh yeah, whole thirty. Kevin and I tried that. Nightmare. That was a nut. It worked. Yeah, it did work. It did work. But Sadly. I do remember that. Like we did that, and yeah. it, and we stuck to that, yeah. and it was torture. Yeah. Uh, but that brought about some change. That one was not bad. How about you? Did it bring about lasting change? No. Because I felt like when Whole30 was over. I mean, just as an example, and lots of diets like that. Kevin and I are just kind of like, then we're done. So the lasting change, it was weird for me. I know this is a bit off the subject, but it was weird for me. The lasting change was it did change not just my appetite, but my body's ability with certain foods. Like I remember being like, yeah. I used to love this, but now, oh, like now. Interesting. I, like I I no longer had the taste for it. It wouldn't make me sick, but yeah. I no longer had the taste for. Yeah. I remember milk being one of the big ones. Okay. So I, before Whole30, I yeah. would always eat. Bowls of cereal, and now I was like, "You're like, I can't do milk anymore." Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, did, that diet did kind of give you that information. Ke- you know, Kevin's reading a book right now called Tiny Habits, mm. and uh, this guy talks about how if you want to make real change, you do it through small habits that you celebrate along the way. So yes. you have to, you have to celebrate it, or else it won't change. So I think that's that's interesting. Well, okay. So Rick Warren, speaking of lasting changes, he just did a sermon on this topic, and he has four biblical truths on how we make changes that last. But before we go into his um, tips for us, I want to go ahead and play some of that sermon because he says some pretty profound things. Let's go ahead and take a listen. We know the truth. We don't know anything about it. A lot of times we know the truth and we reject it. The secret to personal change, listen, is not willpower. Willpower works for a while, but it wouldn't work for the rest of your life. It's not about pills that you take to change it's not about resolutions it's not about a gimmick uh it's knowing and facing the truth 
about you, about God, about life, about problems, about your family, about your past, about growing up. Jesus said, when you know the truth, you know this, the truth will set you free. So here's the first problem. Because if the first step to, to uh, permanent lasting change is to learn the truth about me and then accept and acknowledge and face the fact about me is this. We often don't want to do that. We don't want to learn and face the truth. Why? Because the truth is often uncomfortable. Some smart Alex said, the truth will set you free, but first it makes you miserable. It's true. It's true. It's often painful to face the truth about me. And we would rather stay deluded. We'd rather stay in our little happy but mythical, it's a fairy tale land, uh, that everything is copacetic, everything's great in my life. You know it's not great in your life. But we live in denial. And we're not facing the truth. Okay, so Rick Warren, I think this is so fascinating. He says, look, we we want to know the truth about ourselves that need to be changed. Meaning yeah. people need to like people need to tell us some things about us that sometimes we don't want to hear mm. in order to make the changes we need to make. But he says one we don't like we want to live in denial. We don't actually want to do anything about it because it's painful one to be faced with sort of areas of your life that need to be changed. And then two, it's painful to actually do something about it. Mm. Don't you think that's true? Like even we were joking about whole 30, but whole 30 was painful. hundred percent. Like for people who don't know whole 30 is this 30 day diet where essentially you're kind of trying to get rid of the toxins and the allergens. Right. And then you everything. And it is strict and good things come from it, but it's not easy. No. And that's that's the issue here. Uh, When you try to make change in your life, think about, hey, I'm going to uh, start exercising on a regular Mm -hmm. basis or I'm going to quit smoking Mm -hmm. or whatever else it might be. Uh, They're oftentimes done for very noble reasons. Right. I'm going to get healthier. Yeah. Whatever else it might be. Right. But they're always painful. Change yeah. is painful, and so therefore yeah. it's easier to keep with the status quo. That's why yeah. it's called the status quo. Right. Just keep doing that. And, yeah, change can be really, really hard. And, and you know, when you get beyond the losing weight and getting healthy into I'm going to change the um, destructive might not be the right word, but the destructive patterns in my marriage right. or right. In my parenting or towards whatever, mm-hmm. all of that leaves you hopefully it as a better person, a better relationship. But yeah always painful along the way yeah uh, i mean there there's like research on change because change can be so painful for us okay so here are some of the things that rick warren talks about why don't i read you his four these are his four biblical truths about lasting change and then you and i can talk about them the first one is this change requires learning and facing the truth and then he went on to say behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I believe. Mm. So he talks about how before we can even change, we have to acknowledge the lies we're believing and find the truth instead. Two, he says lasting change requires new thinking. I think this goes back to like the lies. We're we're like changing the way we think. Three, lasting change requires community and coaching. And four, lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. So Brian, did any of those stand out to you? Yeah, let me make one point real fast before this. Do you think Rick Warren in his life (laughs) 
uh, like when when him and Kay are going to go out to dinner. Yeah. He's like. I think we should go to Applebee's. Here's my four reasons for like I feel like he's everything he writes is like three for this, four for this, six for this. And I'm like <laughs> He for sure he for sure does their dinner. He's like, let's have a conversation about like the six reasons we love each other. <laughs> I also like the think of Rick Warren going to Applebee's, choosing Applebee's out there on the West Coast. <laughs> what does Rick Warren order at Applebee's, I wonder? <laughs> He's totally a Bloomin' Onion guy at the Outback Steakhouse. There's no doubt he about sure it. He sure is a Bloomin' Onion guy. So I like, I appreciate number one here. Change requires learning and facing the truth. Yeah. That's quite frankly what stops us. We, mm-hmm. we go, oh, I'm fine. Like, again, let's use the kind of mm-hmm. one that we all go through. So that makes it a little less painful yeah. to talk about. The getting into better shape, exercise, yeah. whatever. yeah. I'm fine. I'm not in bad shape. Right. Or, but you've been complaining about your back. Right. But but my yeah. point is you 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 can talk yourself into things. Ah, those other people, they, they really, really need are in bad shape. Out. Yeah. Or they yeah. really need to get. And so it there is this kind of come to Jesus moment with all these things. That I says, see what you're saying. Listen, yeah. Uh, I do have an issue. Yeah. I, I brought up smoking before. Ah, yeah. You know, I've smoked, for, uh, not personally, but I've smoked. Right. I'm Christian radio. I felt like I had to say that, not personally. <laughs> Brian is not a smoker, everyone. But, but going, <laughs> like, oh, you know, I've never been sick. I've never yeah. gotten cancer, whatever. I'm I, yeah. fine. Not a big deal. And, and there seems like a lot of times before change comes to come to Jesus moment about your marriage or about mm-hmm. your health or mm-hmm. about whatever else mm-hmm. it might be. So I appreciate that one. I think that's what he's saying. Will you be willing to face the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reject the lie and then that's kind of the initiation into okay for okay now i need to make the change because i'm realizing the truth of the situation yeah that's good i think the one that stood out to me was uh his number three lasting change requires community and coaching because i do sometimes think whatever the changes you're trying to make you know we're so we're so western in everything we do which we can't help it's who we are as americans but we want to just do it all on our own Okay, I'm going to instill this new Bible study habit. I'm going to read the Bible, you know, every day for 15 minutes. Well, we just decide on our own we're going to do that on our own by ourselves. And we maybe will tell somebody, can you hold me accountable to that? But I think even that is pretty rare. Instead, if you were like had your small group or your group of friends or your community and you were like, man, this is really important to me. Would anybody be up for doing this for me? I need some community to help me make change. And this could be true of anything. I mean, I bring up Bible study. You brought up some other points too. Whatever change you want to make. I do think when it's instilled in the community you're a part of, then change begins to last. Like then it's culture making, right? Because it's not just about you, but it's impacting other people. Or your family together is doing like, okay, every night we're doing family sit-ups for five minutes. Like that becomes like culture for your family that produces lasting change. I, I That's an interesting one I hadn't really thought about before. Yep. And then of course, his final point, lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. I think ultimately we, you know, we know that we need the power of God's presence to help us create that's right. change that's, that's right. last. And it's Friday. You know what that means? It is time to do one of our favorite things to do each and every week, and that is our top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, Brian. So hearing that theme song, can you tell the people what our top five list for this week is? It's a fun one. Yeah. I, our, our most fun ones are when we go back to our childhood. We get nostalgic. Right? We yes. We get nostalgic. And so we're going for this one. Top five of our favorite cartoons from our childhood. Growing up. 
So I don't know that this means we would still watch them. Probably right. not. Right. We'd probably watch them and go, oh, that's kind of. That did not age but well. Looking back, what were yeah. some of our favorites uh, as kids? I'm, I'm excited for this one. Even writing these made me go like, oh, that's right. That one. Oh, right. I and it's crazy. One. I was telling you, too, the, how quickly the theme songs came into my head. Like I rem- the recall is crazy. There's one particular in, in my list in which the theme song I could sing perfectly. <laughs> I kind of hope you do. Okay. Um, I'll go. I'll go first. Okay. I'm gonna go with my, my number five, um, and I think some people would think this is my number one. I did like this show, and it's on my list, but it wasn't my favorite of the cartoons I watched. But I really, really liked She-Ra, Princess of Power, because she was kind of the answer to He-Man. Yes. Right. Like she was the. You felt like she even was at, even at a young age, you needed an answer to He-Man. I did. That like femini- <laughs> feminism was in me it early runs on. Deep in you, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm down with the patriarchy early on. I need a princess of power. Five year old Aubrey was sitting there going, "I don't know about this He-Man. I don't feel represented by this show. She-Ra is my dream. Yes. Yep. She-Ra, princess of power. Okay. Uh, My number five, and I'm not going to sing it, but this is the one that even upon just mentioning the name, (gasps) I can begin singing. I'm dying to hear this. The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. (gasps) Brian, I was going to tell you, that's number four on my list. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. That's such a good, I love those gummy bears. Magic and mystery are part of their history, along (laughs) with the secret of gummy Gummy berry berry juice. juice. (laughs) They drink that juice, they bounce around. Gummy bears. That's a good one. What was in that juice? That was a good question. Okay, so that was my number four. Brian, what's your number four? My number four was the Transformers. Ah, okay. Yeah, that that was was cool. When you would get Transformers, like the Transformers themselves were awesome to have. And uh, But yeah, that cartoon was great. The Transformers, yes. All right. Transformers was really good. Okay, what number am I at? I'm at three now, aren't I? You are. Okay, um, I'm going to go with the show that I, I, I mean, I really, really, really liked this show. Um, oh, man, I'm, really, I, I'm not answering because I'm like torn between my next two. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm switching something up real quick. Okay, Brian, did you watch this? Heathcliff, the junkyard Garfield. cat. No, not Garfield. Heathcliff. I remember Heathcliff. It was kind of like Garfield, but he was a junkyard cat <laughs> with his gang, the Cadillac cats. <laughs> they ruled the junkyard. Heathcliff. Uh, I, I don't think that I did watch He was that. sort of like the rebel. He was like the, the everyman's version of Garfield, more okay. like on the streets in the junkyard. Because Garfield the cat was so highbrow. Is that what you're <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah, that's his lasagna. He was so spoiled. But not Heathcliff. Heathcliff had to scrape around for his fish bones. All right, number three. Uh, for me, is Inspector Gadget. Oh, I forgot about Inspector. That's a good theme song. Inspector Gadget. Yes. Good one. Oh, yeah. He had all kinds of cool things come out of his hat. Umbrella? Yeah. There was like a like a thing that he had, and he pushed buttons, and it was his hat, right? Like, a, like all kinds of things came out of his hat. That is true. A propeller. Yeah. Yes. Arms. He had robot arms. Am <laughs> he I had remembering lots of gadgets. Right? Hence his name was Inspector, Inspector Gadget. Gadget. All right. That, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Okay. That's a good one. Okay. My number two. I wonder if this will be on your list. Maybe not. This might be too girly. The Muppet Babies. I loved the Muppet Babies. I had the record and I would listen to it again and again and again. And Muppet Babies recently made a reboot and I tried to make my boys watch it and they were like, Mom. No, absolutely that, that not. That is not surprising. Yeah, they weren't having it. Uh, no, that did not get on my list, okay. not even on my honorable mention. But my number two favorite 1980s uh, cartoon, The Flintstones. 
The Flintstones. Love yeah. Them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Love the Flintstones. Okay. Yeah. They. They. Uh. He was driving to driving to work. Like running driving. Running, you know? like running driving. I saw like, and going that? going up and down the dinosaur with Barney. Yeah. I always felt like Flintstone was like cartoons, but for like forty year olds when we were little. You were an a, older. Was, you were an older an child old at heart. Girl. I was an old soul. It seemed like they were dealing with like parenting problems a lot on the Flintstones, and we were like five. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't relatable, really. Are you kidding me? The Flintstones? Yeah. Am I forgetting what it Dealing was about? With parenting problems? Yeah. Like it was always like Barney's, Barney Rubble and their kid. What were their kids' names? It was like the neighbors were over and they were talking about their kids. <laughs> like this felt like, like a sitcom well, for older Brontosaurus <laughs> and hitting each other. <laughs> All right. The Flintstones. Okay. That's good. Okay. Um, Man, I can't believe I'm already at my number one. I've got honorable some honorable mentions. mentions. Yes. yes. I have four. In the same uh, realm as the Flintstones, the Jetsons are mm. on mine. I always liked their futuristic life. Pretty cool. I kind of want to see the live action Jetsons. Mm. I feel like that would be a cool movie. We're living in it. Um, I guess you're right. And then Alvin and the Chipmunks. I was a big fan of the Chipmunks. Still okay. am, really, but I really liked those cartoons growing up. I have four honorable mentions. Wow. Okay, let's hear. DuckTales. Yep. Woo. Good one. Really good one. Uh, this one's a little more old school. Maybe you're telling me that this is all about like something much deeper than the It's a lot of marriage issues. Yeah. The Smurfs. Oh, the Smurfs. Yeah. Which, unless that's about like racial reconciliation you, and this and that and whatever else. Did you know, I guess you weren't in this whole thing. Apparently there was a whole thing where like Christians didn't let their kids watch I the had, Smurfs. One of my best friends was not allowed to watch yeah, the Kevin Smurfs. Yeah, Kevin wasn't allowed to watch the Smurfs either. This threw, I was like, what? The Smurfs? Because there was like uh, Gar- magic. Azriel or Gargamel or yeah, something? Yeah, but there was magic. Oh, and it was, like, the darkness okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Bugs Bunny. Oh, I never liked Bugs Bunny. I mm-hmm. liked Bugs Bunny. Okay. And all the like ancillary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't Bugs Bunny? Woody Woodpecker was part of Bugs Bunny. Uh-huh. I think that I love yep. Woody Woodpecker. Yep. And then Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. I, I, I don't like Scooby Doo much either. But that's good. Those Solve those mysteries. You and I would not have done well as I kids know. I don't together. think we would have either. Okay, but Brian, you'll be happy to know my number one was on your honorable mention list. My number one was actually on your honorable really? mention list. Really? Okay, yes. my number one is DuckTales. I love DuckTales. I, the reboot of DuckTales is great, but I loved DuckTales back in the day. In fact, I have, and I just framed it over the weekend. I have an old school from, I guess, the 80s, DuckTales comic it's a marvel comic but it's ducktales i have it i just framed it at my house over the weekend a reboot of ducktales have you not seen the new ducktales they're hilarious it's like the cast of saturday night live is doing it and it's so funny so you mentioned my number one earlier my number one 80s cartoon that i used to watch every afternoon after school coming home is the jetsons the jetsons i loved the jetsons yeah and so now fun. Uh, you go back and watch the things that the Jetsons were so revolutionary, like a phone where you could see each other. <laughs> or, I mean, the cool part we was the flying cars. Yeah, we don't have the flying cars There yet. was the vacuum cleaner that you didn't need to push around. Hello? Whoa, you're just, get, you're just blowing my mind right now. I am. We don't now. have robot maids, though. Did you see Rocky Four? <laughs> and those robot preachers we've talked about on the yes. show before, so we're getting really <laughs> part, close. Part of the Jetsons. I just thought they were their the like, apartment in the sky was pretty cool too. How did neither you or I go? Well, VeggieTales wasn't eighties, so we didn't. Yeah, go we weren't. We weren't children. That we were like in college when VeggieTales was cool. All right, so that is our cartoon list. Uh, growing up, we bas- we grew up in the eighties, so those yes, are basically eighties cartoons. So if you're from other generations, we would love to hear what your favorite cartoons were. Let us know on social media at Common Good Talk the end of the show, we love to always do something to bring you a smile on your face or challenge you a little bit. We want to send you away for the weekend with something to think about. And um, 
Brian, this list, I, I was just scrolling through Instagram earlier in the week, and um, a guy named Brian Dixon, who I actually know randomly, he's from Oklahoma, his first book came out with Nav Press, so we have a little bit connection. I have not met him in real life, but I've met him, you know, online. He um, he posted something that kind of I had some mixed feelings about it, and I really oh. wanted to hear your perspective as a man, because here's what it was called, How to Fail as a Man. Oh. And then he has 10 ways to fail as a man. I got more than 10. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Some I agree with, some I don't. But What I, was the nature of this? Why did he make this list? Do you well, remember? Well, so apparently, and I, I didn't know this because I haven't followed him very closely online. Apparently, he kind of just does this, like things about manhood, things about womanhood. And gotcha. so this was just the one thing, how to fail as a man. You don't which, normally like these. So I don't normally like these. That's true. Already my biases are, are up because I, I don't know. This conversation, I, I don't like sweeping stereotypes like this about men and women. And sometimes I think, you know, how to be a man is way too That's manly. Because you're just overly sensitive as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so should I read these all to you and you respond or should we take them one at a time? Let's take them one at a time. Yeah, I'm not sure I like this list, but go ahead. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because I really want to do, I do want to know what you think. How to fail as a man. Here's the first one. I don't know if these are in order or not, but here's the first one. Stop working out. Yeah. I mean, that's a... uh, Failing here. I I don't know. Like, I... Is it healthy to work out? Yes. Yes. Am I more likely to live a long and prosperous life if my heart is healthy? Sure. Yeah. But to say that somebody who doesn't work out is failing as a man, I... I that felt extreme to me. Yes. I, I thought, and also I wasn't sure what that had to do necessarily with like being a man. Yes. Like I just thought, well, yeah, all humans should work out because it's good for them. Yes. But are you failing? I don't know. Okay. Number two, don't set goals. Sure. I, I think that all, this is good for men and women, right? Yeah. Like, goal setting allows you to have something to target, something yeah. to shoot for. So yeah. Otherwise... Uh, you go, you can go aimlessly through life and all of a sudden, you know, weeks sure, become yeah. months, months become yeah. years and you're going, what's going on? So yeah, I think a, he <laughs> feels like this should be called how to succeed. We, I totally agree with you. Work out. Yeah. Yeah. Set goals. Set goals. There you go. Maybe that's going to change as but we go But the fact there. that it, it's sort of narrowed into being a good man. Okay. This one I have major problems with, but let's hear what you have to say. Do not. How to fail as a man. Sorry. How to fail as a man. Lust after other women. You have a problem with that one? Here's why. <laughs> Do tell. I, I think it should say lust after women. Like there's a, it's bothering to me. I think he's assuming it's okay to lust after your wife. I don't even like that because then you're just objectifying your wife. And I just, I don't, I want this off. I want the, I want it to say, don't disrespect women. You're the part don't, with the other. Okay. I, I just, I don't, I, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. I, yeah. I would say the the other woman portion here, I, I want to applaud from him. Okay. Not, okay. Not the lusting after. I yeah. get what you're saying. Uh, there are way too many men specifically, women too, but yeah. specifically men yeah. uh, who are too cavalier yeah. about, uh, about, Pushing boundaries. Okay, you're right. Uncom- you're, that's that fair. Are, that that's are fair. That's lead you in a bad direction. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, in your marriage and in you know, yeah, 
that that our culture just pours at you. Yeah. So I'm I'm good with that. But I get what you're saying. I think it's just maybe the language, like because if he had written here "lust only after your wife," I probably would have sounded weird. It's super <laughs> so, weird, yes, right? Like yes. like respect all women, only have eyes for your wife, like something like that. Yeah, I would have liked better. This is a little okay. Uh, f- how to fail as a man? Number four: complain about your job. I mean, I have two jobs. I complain about both of them. <laughs> <laughs> that one I also feel like be a good human. That one's not necessarily manliness, I right? I do think there is something about when we're constantly compl- – like you put a lot of time and energy in your job. Yeah. It takes up a lot of your mental thought and your yeah. and your energy and your time. Uh-huh. So make the best of it. Uh-huh. And if you're always complaining about your job, I'm guessing he's going to say then maybe consider – Going and getting another yeah. job or fixing it or whatever yeah. else it might be. Okay. How to fail as a man number five. Yell at, but don't teach your kids. Okay. I'm not much of a yeller. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Your goal sure. as a parent is to is to teach your children, is yeah. to grow them, is to make them into better people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, nobody wants to be yelling dad all the Definitely time. Definitely not. Who's people all kind of look at sideways as he's yeah. yelling at their kids. Yeah, absolutely. It almost sounds like he's saying it's okay to yell at as long as you're teaching your kids. I don't think that's what he means, but it almost comes across that way. But yes, teach your kids, don't yell at them. Yes. In general. Okay, number six. I want to know what you think about this one. Don't stay up. If you want to fail as a man, stay up late and sleep in. Yeah, it's, I, yeah sure. Early to bed, early to rise. My right? husband would be so angry about this because he's a late night guy and a sleeper in guy. I do not. I've told you before on this show many times, I have, I've lost all abilities to sleep in. Yeah, same. I could go to bed at three in the morning and I'm getting up before seven. I know, it same. It just happens when the sun comes yeah. up. But to suggest that you're going to fail if you stay. Now, if you're staying up late, like, what if I said your husband was staying up late to pour over commentaries in scripture and he's like losing it? I think this implies when people are like stay up late, sleep in, that people are, the guys are staying up and playing video playing games. Playing video games, right, or right. They're watching Which Kevin's not. Whatever. Yeah. You could stay up late and be super productive. This is not about, it's about what are you doing? I can yeah. also get up really early. Yeah. And like not really start my day till nine o'clock. Like, <laughs> That's true. You can so, get up early and watch TV before your kids wake up or something. Which I okay. Do. Which I do. All right. Number seven, if you want to fail as a man, work for the weekend. He is wrong about that one. <laughs> uh, I get what he's saying, but I do, um, I do, I, I I value time off. Totally. Uh, so I do think it's in some ways, you, so you're not working for the weekend. You're not working for vacation. Yeah. I get it. You're putting yourself in there. You're yeah. investing in your life. You're all this stuff. Um, but, but take time off. Take time off. Take time yes. off. Yeah. Uh, so don't work on the weekend right. if you don't right. have to. Right. So, yeah. Like, that's okay to enjoy the weekends. All right. I'll read the last three. Uh, how to fail as a man. Resent your wife. Spend, I think that's, yeah. Fails a husband. Sure. <laughs> yes. uh, spend more than you make. I think that's another good yes. human thing, not necessarily man thing. Um, and then ignore God and his commands. Yeah, I think those are good. I think resentment in your marriage is a really dangerous thing. Definitely. Because that breeds bitterness. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask you a totally off-subject question? Please. R-E-S-E-N-T. Why is that resent? Why is that not spelled with a Z? Why is resent (laughs) not spelled with a Z? Anyway, moving on. Spend more than you make is a terrible way to live your life. That is a terrible way. Because you cannot continue doing that. Yeah. We've all learned about. Yeah. So you will fail if you spend more Mm -hmm. than you make. Your marriage will fail if you... 
uh, resent your wife. And mm-hmm. obviously, if you ignore God and his commands, that's the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. After all of this thing, what's the point of life? Uh, fear God and obey his command. So, yeah, I sure. These are sure. good. Uh, these are good for men and women. I know he's got an audience here. Some of these are better than others. Yeah. But I think as a whole... There's some good advice here. Work on your marriage. Work yeah. on your health. Yeah. Don't have a budget. Yeah. It, work on your job. All of these. Yeah, those are all good most things. Most importantly, follow Jesus. Yep. All good things. Thanks for wrapping that up like that for us, Brian. I feel like that was good. And the English language is difficult. <laughs> Why is that words. Not, I first read it, I was like, resent my wife. <laughs> Why would I resent her? What does that mean? <laughs> well, on that note, on Brian's spelling note, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.